Storygram Network. The content and products discussed in this program have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration, nor are they intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent disease. Any decisions made around your health should be discussed with your health practitioner. Welcome to Body Talk Radio. I'm your host, Heather Morgan, health and human potential master coach and edutainment curator. I started Body Talk over a decade ago in order to achieve my mission of educating and inspiring millions to a healthier way of living. Body Talk Radio is more than just a radio show. It's your gateway to information and education relevant to today's most important health topics. Delivered by top thought leaders, influencers, and world changers in the health and human potential space. If you love great health talk, listen in and join the community. Get educated, get inspired, and become a healthier you. All right, everybody, thank you so much for joining me today. It's Friday. And I am thrilled to have a great topic today. Thanks to all of you. Lots of questions have been coming in about breast health, breast cancer, actually some really, really heavy, but heartfelt and truly appreciated communications have come in through some of our channels. And, you know, lots of women out there are not only themselves touched by either breast cancer or concerns of breast cancer with yourself or a loved one, it doesn't seem to be something that is reducing in numbers. And our guest today is going to talk to us a little bit more about the prevalency and the rates of breast cancer and how they've grown and the types and how to prevent and just really some education. So today we are going to be talking about breast cancer. We're going to have an expert joining us today, Dr. Jennifer Simmons, MD, from realhealthmd.com. And Jennifer Simmons is a very experienced breast surgeon, breast health expert from Philadelphia who's been in the industry for over 17 years, really helping make a difference in women's lives and helping them to live their best lives and define true health. Dr. Simmons is going to call in to us just a little bit. We're going to talk all things breast health today, which is the topic that we've talked about in the past. And we've had lots of inquiries from many of you, different questions, different subjects. So our phone number is 707-933-9133. If you do want to call in today and you have questions for Dr. Simmons, feel free to do so. Again, she's a breast health and breast cancer expert and surgeon. And we're going to answer a lot of your sort of non-conventional questions today. So breast cancer, typically the conventional approach, standard of care is pretty standard. So we're going to actually go to the phone right now and welcome Dr. Simmons to the call. Hello, Dr. Simmons. Hi. Oh, yay. Okay. I'm so glad you're here. So how are you? Good. 
good. Awesome. Well, I am so glad to have you joining our community here today. So we are live in the Sonoma Valley area of a North Bay area of San Francisco. And wonderful. You, yeah, yeah. And we have a super enthusiastic crowd that listens in and finds our podcast of all things health, but often women's health and one of the topics that has come up for us quite a bit this year so far has been questions around breast health, breast cancer. This has just been one of those themes that has been coming up a lot. And then when you and I communicated through a network of colleagues, it was just such perfect timing because I really, I know about the work that you do. You know, it's heralded and I'm so enthusiastic about having you join my show today and the community to answer some questions and bring your insights. Well, I'm absolutely delighted to be here, and there are no accidents. So that was the universe talking that you were looking for someone to talk about breast health, and I reached out to you. I know. It's just, it really, truly is no mistake there. And just to set the table a little bit, because I did talk to the audience here for the last five minutes, I dove a little bit into your background. I let people know where you're from. I told them about your website, Real Health MD. And yeah, yeah, so we have, as I mentioned, lots of women that listen in and we are in the North Bay area and there are high rates of breast cancer in the Marin County area, which is just the county right next to us. So, you know, wanted to just dive in, if we could please just talk a little bit about just the prevalence of breast cancer, because this is your specialty and I know you really focus more on wellness and health and those types of things. But could you just talk to us a little bit about the rates of breast cancer, the prevalence, and is it potentially environmental? Sure. You absolutely touched on it from the start. So first, just a little background, because Mm -hmm. I really never knew a time in my life where I didn't know about breast cancer. Okay. Uh, My first cousin was a woman named Linda Creed. She was a singer-songwriter in the 1970s, 1980s, wrote all the music for the spinners and the stylistics. Hmm. She wrote 54 hits in all, but her most famous song was The Greatest Love of All. And she wrote that in 1977 as the title track to the movie The Greatest starring Muhammad Ali. But it really received its acclaim when Whitney Houston released it to the world. And um, at that time, it would spend 14 weeks at the top of the charts. Mm. Only Linda would never know that. Because she died of metastatic breast cancer just Mm. one month after Whitney released that song. I was 16 years old at the time, and my hero died. Oh, my goodness. And now, did that have anything to do with your path forward? Absolutely. You know, I never wanted anyone else, another woman, another family, another community Mm. to have to suffer in the way that our suffered. And Mm. so Linda's life and ultimately her death Mm. gave birth to my life's purpose. And I became a physician. I became a surgeon. I became the first fellowship trained breast surgeon in Philadelphia. And Mm. I did that for a really long time and did it really well for Mm. a really long time and thought that I was making a difference until I got sick. And became a patient and learned how broken our medical system is and how we are not looking at things properly, how we're not addressing Mm -hmm. the root cause. And I changed my whole life. I studied functional medicine. I became functional medicine certified. Mm -hmm. I left traditional medicine Mm -hmm. to, to help women to restore their health. 
because all of the preconceptions that we think we know, like breast cancer is a genetic disease, it's absolutely untrue. And even in the very small percentage of women, the 5 to 7% of women that have BRCA mutations, mm. mutations that genetic changes that sure. make them more susceptible to develop a breast cancer because those are breast cancer suppressive genes, mm-hmm. even those people do not get breast cancer 100% of the time. And there's something else at play there. And that something else is the thing that affects all of us and that's environment. Breast cancer, without question, is an environmental disease. You change the environment, you change your health. Amazing. Okay, because one of our listeners had sent in the question, wanted you to run down the genetic risks and all of that. But I'm glad you clarified that because it is something that is commonly known or thought out there is that it is a genetic disease. So I'm so glad you're clarifying that. And let's talk about the environment then. And let's talk about what is different about the environment today that is different, say, well, even the 70s, I think the prevalence was far less and continues to grow. So talk to us a little bit about the environment. Yeah, absolutely. We're not living on your grandmother's earth. We're not even living on your mother's earth. No. Like the earth that we live on today has exponentially Mm -hmm. more pollutants than ever. And they're not always so obvious. So many of the pollutants that we deal with on a daily basis are Mm -hmm. invisible. Totally. They range from eating processed food, where we have been sold this whole bill of goods, whole grain goodness, and and all of these things. And we're we're consuming all of these commodity crops, which are significantly impairing our health. Sugar is a huge one, Mm -hmm. and the way our livestock is raised is a huge issue. But even going beyond that, the pesticides, herbicides, fungicides, the things that we clean our homes with, the candles that we burn that we think smell so delicious are filled with volatile organic compounds. Absolutely. The endocrine disruptors that are everywhere, those plastic Mm. bottles that Mm -hmm. you're drinking your water out of, the nonstick cookware that you're cooking your food in. Mm -hmm. What about mold in your indoor environment? Mold is a huge issue. And remember, we used to live in times where... There was huge air circulation, but came the advent of windows and air conditioning and heating, and we're locked into recirculated air all the time. Well, that's exactly the place that mold wants to grow. So mold is ubiquitous. It's everywhere because we are living in these recycled environments. And 25% of people lack the enzyme to break down mold. So 25% of us, and I am included in that, I can walk into any space and tell you if there's a mold burden because I have a headache immediately. And there are me tons too. of people same. like me. Oh, I'm the same. Because 25% of us. I am one of the 25%. In fact, I yeah. am a canary in a coal mine. I can smell mold. Literally, I'll walk in a door. If there's mold in that house, it will bowl me over. I'm so highly sensitive to it. And I've, you know, lived in homes with mold in the past and ended up with Lyme disease because of the mold does the craziest thing to your immune system. So any 
other bacterial infections or things that might be going on just allows it to grow and proliferate. So mold is a very, very tricky one. It is for some people, yeah. right? Not yeah. for everyone, right? which is why someone can live in a house with others and that person yes. can be highly affected and everyone else is looking at them like they have three heads. That's how it is exactly in my house. Exactly. Yeah. My daughter and I yeah. are sensitive and my husband and son are not. Yeah. And listen, thank God your husband and son are not. Right. But for the people that are suffering, when the others don't understand, mm-hmm. it further complicates the issue. And that's another toxin. So I pray to God that your husband is understanding. Oh, he is. But there are many oh, I know. that aren't. Totally. And there are lots of toxic relationships mm. out there, oh, whether it be with a spouse or a significant other yep. or a parent or a child or an employer or a colleague. And these are part of the invisible toxins that I was talking about because... Difficult relationships can significantly impact your health. You were talking about how mold suppresses your immune system. Mm. Well, the stress of a difficult relationship will do the exact same thing. Absolutely. And so, so often, because as you mentioned, this is invisible. People who do have the mold sensitivity and or illnesses, you know, sort of subclinical infections or whatever, Lyme disease, these types of things often these people become made to think they're crazy. And I really Mm -hmm. want to touch on that because I know we're talking about breast health today and breast cancer, but and mold is just, I believe, it's just like a hidden, massive contributor to so many people's health issues. For those that are sensitive and then with the family members who aren't, can be crazy making. You know, people just feel like, we don't know what you're talking about. We don't smell it. It's all in your head. And can we just address that? Because... Absolutely. We really need to provide some hope for these people. Yeah. Yeah. So the first thing I'll say is that I check every single new breast cancer patient that I am treating for mold because it is so ubiquitous and it is such a huge contributor to the development of breast cancer because breast cancer basically results when you've had some chronic immune challenge that has Every single person makes cancer cells, young, old, everyone in between. But an intact immune system will keep that cancer population at bay. But if you are under chronic stress or you're chronically fighting mold, your immune system is not going to be able to keep it in check. And this is what allows for the proliferation of Mm -hmm. a cancer population. So I check everyone. But in terms of... Listen, we all need to dial into our intuition. You know when things aren't right. You know when you don't feel well, when you're having skin reactions or you're anxious, you're newly anxious, or you're having difficulty sleeping, or you have new sensitivities to things, or you have neurological things, headaches. You know when you don't feel well. And if your physician isn't listening to you or if your physician is telling you that you're fine, Mm -hmm. they run some like rudimentary labs and they tell you that you're fine and you know you're not fine, find a different physician. There is a great book that if you suspect you have mold illness, there's a book called Toxic by Neil Nathan. Oh, yeah, I have the book. He's been on my show before. Yeah, Yeah. that's an outstanding. It is. It's so good. You know, what I tell people 
at the end of the day, breast health is health. And so all the things that I tell people when they have breast cancer are the same exact things that I'm telling people when they have heart disease, when they have diabetes, because it's all the same. We are one system. And someone who gets breast cancer doesn't have a bad breast. The breast isn't misbehaving. Cancer is a normal response to an abnormal environment. And what I'm doing, yeah, what I'm doing with people is I am trying to figure out what went wrong in their environment. Where did that imbalance come from? How can we find equilibrium again? What do they have that they don't need? What do they need that they don't have? And it's all about establishing that homeostasis, establishing the chemistry of joy, establishing an environment that fosters health rather than disease. Amazing. And it's so true. And I've never heard anybody put it that way. The cancer is a normal response to an abnormal environment. I mean, powerful right there, because I think anyone who's going through health issues, which is so many people today, could look back to their environment, whether it's toxic relationships, toxic indoor environment, horrible diet, just stress, all those things that just, of course, the body is so beautifully designed to manage all those things. And would you say, and again- It's an adaptation. It's an adaptation. That's really what it is. It's an adaptation. Yeah. It's your breast cells feeling threatened. And so they go into survival mode. And the breast happens to be one of our more sensitive organs. So when we are out of balance, your breast feels it. It's so sensitive, an, an, right? It's, yeah. It's part Another of it. sensitive organ is the thyroid. Totally. And we see, look at how many people have thyroid disease. It's so right? true. So, because so true. Because it's such an environmentally mm. sensitive organ. Now, just this whole concept of healing versus treating, right? So really, you walk your patients through the process of building health, and healing. And it's not necessarily focusing on treating a condition, but it's more about how do we build you up to be from wherever you're at, your best possible place. And that's exactly right. uh, Yeah. So obviously through experience, both professionally and personally, you have found this to be so, and you tagged this to finding functional medicine, because I do talk about functional medicine here on the show, but just for listeners that maybe don't know, could you talk to us the difference between functional medicine and conventional standards of care and why you decided to go this route? Yeah, absolutely. First of all, I think most of us who came up in a traditional medical environment, and that is the vast majority of us, we think of health as the absence of disease. And so if you don't carry a diagnosis, you're healthy. So I cannot begin to tell you at least 95% of my patients, when they come to me, their opening line is, I'm healthy, but I have breast cancer. Yeah. And we have no understanding about what health is. Yeah, no because concept. health is not the absence of disease. Mm. Health is optimal function. In our traditional medical system, we don't know what that means. Mm. Our doctors, and listen, I was one of them, so I am not insulting them. I'm not calling them out. Sure. They are doing exactly what they were trained, trained. to do. We yeah. are trained to recognize disease, to recognize 
failure to manage symptoms. That mm-hmm. is what we're trained to do. And a really good doctor does that really well. What we're not trained to do is promote health, optimize function. And if you think about it, the only way to get into our medical system is to fail, mm-hmm. right? True. No one is going to their doctor saying, doc, I am in the best health of my life. How can I be healthier? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like right. That, that happens never. The only reason we go to the doctor is because we're not functioning optimally. We're not feeling well. We're sick. We're tired. We have a disease, right? 100%. And so functional medicine ideally looks to promote optimal function. And if you're not functioning optimally, we don't want to manage the symptom. Now, listen, if someone's in pain, I want to end their pain. But I also want to know what is causing their pain. Because I know Jeffrey Bland talks about the TAC theory. He's like the father of functional medicine. So what he says is, if you have a tack in your foot, you can either take a lot of aspirin or you can pull the tack out. Right. Absolutely. So what I want to do for people is I want to help them pull the tack out. I want to figure out what is disturbing their health. Now, we just have to take a quick break here. If you could just hang tight, we'll be back to continue the discussion here in just a few minutes. Sponsored by EA is CrossFit. More information at 415-314-1399 or at eacrossfit.com. Hosting for this podcast is generously provided by Transistor at Transistor.fm. Storygram Network. All right, and we are back. Dr. Simmons, thank you so much for your patience there. Of course. Yeah. So when we think about breast cancer and breast cancer treatment, obviously the traditional way of thinking, the traditional treatment is entirely focused on the cancer, the tumor. And in functional medicine, we know that the tumor is not the problem. The tumor is the symptom of the problem. But some people have so much tumor burden that they do need something immediately to decrease the tumor burden and to get them started on their healing. So I'm not throwing the baby out with the bathwater. I believe that there is a place for traditional cancer treatment in certain instances. So I equate this to if you have a significant tumor load, your sink is overflowing, right? So surgery, chemotherapy, maybe radiation, Mm -hmm. these are ways of mopping up the floor. But you can't mop up the floor forever, and it's not solving the problem. What you need to do is figure out how to turn off that faucet, Mm -hmm. and that's what functional medicine does. It's looking for your why and helping to course correct that. And when you take away the why, when you take away the nidus, when you take away the stimulus for the imbalance, the body is a brilliant machine. You already said this. The body knows how to heal itself. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We just have to give it what it needs and stop giving it what it doesn't need. So true. And coming from you, an oncologist with just a stellar reputation and 17 years of doing the good work and making an impact, making a difference, and then pivoting your practice to this approach It just says so much. And of course, you know, I've been interviewing functional medicine doctors now for nearly 10 years and it's so 
underrepresented and still not well known, this functional medicine approach, and then yet so powerful in terms of where it takes people in their lives who are experiencing often chronic illness. Unfortunately, illness has been normalized in our society. And so we now have an expectation that we're not supposed to age well, Mm -hmm. that we're not supposed to maintain our function throughout life. But that is part and parcel to our medical system not being a medical system. We have a sick care system. We do not have a health care system. And if you look at the societies around the world that really focus on longevity, look at the blue zones, these people are living well over 100 years and living well. They are living long and dying young. And that is for a variety of reasons. First of all, they eat a very different diet than we do. They do not eat processed foods. They eat largely plants. They don't Mm -hmm. consume dairy. Mm -hmm. And they do not have the chemical burden that we have in our food. So that is one large part of it. Another part of it is they have very active lifestyles. We are nomadic people. We were meant to move. We were not meant to be sitting at desks all day, driving around in cars. We are not built for that. No, we're not. You have to move your body or you lose your body. And we see that time and time again. And remember, these people remain important an important part of their community, mm-hmm. an important part of their society Ooh, so good. until the day they die. They live very purpose-filled lives because their elders, they're the wisest, I know, the most experienced, and the most valued. And revered. Yes, What's, exactly. Yes. What do we do to our elders? We throw them away. We, we put do. them in homes. Put them our away. multi-generational living is gone. Yes. And this is what we have to show for it. It's so And true. so we have gone so far astray we have. from where we were meant to be, and we have the disease to show for it. We do. We absolutely do. I think you just touched on so many key and critical points, really, for anybody. I mean, all of these things can be applied to anybody, not just someone experiencing breast cancer and or with chronic illness. These are just things that apply to us across the board and we're a sick nation. And it has to do with all the things that we've talked about today. We do have some questions that have also come in, if you don't mind, because I want to make sure we get people's questions across for you. Let's see. This one person is just asking, like, how do they reach out to you if they wanted treatment or... Yeah. So... You can follow me on social media at Dr. Jen Simmons, and my Jen has two N's. I have a free Facebook group called Keeping Abreast nice. with Dr. Jen. Nice. And so you can just go on to Facebook, Keeping Abreast with Dr. Jen. My website is Real Health MD, and on my website, you can take the quiz. You can apply for a call with me. There are lots of ways to get to me. I have a group program called My Answer to Breast Cancer, which is an amazing place to start to build your health plan, which is really the one thing that everyone needs Mm -hmm. because at the end of the day, breast health is health and everyone needs a health plan. Absolutely. There's someone that's saying that their mother had breast cancer and so they Mm -hmm. are worried about the genetic component 
and wanting to know like what would be the primary steps to take. Yeah, absolutely. So I just want to address that a little bit because Mm -hmm. a lot of people have that story, right? My mother had breast cancer or something of the like. Where we started was that breast cancer is an environmental disease. It's Mm -hmm. not a genetic disease. Mm -hmm. But when you think about it, oftentimes family members grow up in the same environment. Right. They grew up in the same home. Moldy house or whatever. Yeah. Yes. But also they tend to eat the same way think the same way, live the same way, relate the same way. How often have you heard stories about how I married my mother or I married my father or obviously not, they didn't marry their mother or father, but you know, we tend to repeat the relationships in our lives until we get them right. Yep. And we often don't get them right. No, Um, it's so true. We're creatures of habit. I mean, we really are. We are. As humans. We are. So, It's not genetic as much as it's the fact that lifestyle. you're living in the same environment. Yeah, lifestyle. That's so good. I've never heard this yeah. before. So this is, it and makes we're complete just recreating sense. recreating that same environment, Patterns, right? For sure. Yeah. No, absolutely. Yeah. And that makes complete and total sense, right? Now, we do have higher rates, you know, in like Marin County has been known to have higher rates. You know, there's been some speculation, and I'm going to say that because I've read different articles and things like that, but this is just speculation that there was something in the water because the chemicals in the water, this chloramine or whatever it was, has like similar chemical composition as maybe iodine and there's iodine receptors in the breast so that they might be pulling in this chemicals right from the water. Is that off base? Is that potentially a logical thought if you've got a lot of people in one area? Oh yeah. I mean, that is exactly what's happening. It's the like Mm. that's the problem. People are under the impression that estrogen causes breast cancer, right? Estrogen yeah, does not cause breast cancer. Also, iodine doesn't cause breast cancer. No. So let's talk about what's happening there yeah. and why people have this misconception. The reason that people believe that estrogen causes breast cancer is because there are some breast cancers, actually the majority of the breast cancers, that have upregulated the estrogen receptor. It is normal to have estrogen receptors on your breast tissue. We're supposed to. That's how the breast function by estrogen signaling. So a cell that thinks it's going to die and wants to save itself is going Mm -hmm. to upregulate estrogen receptors because that's the growth hormone. Mm. So that's just an adaptation in your cell being smart. Yes. Now, God would not create us Right. With a dominant hormone that causes cancer. cancer. Right? It's a ridiculous concept. Oh and if I do nothing else in my yeah. career, I want to know that I died with everyone understanding that estrogen does not cause breast cancer. I, Amazing. I promise you right here, right now, I am going to leave this world a better place because I'm going to get rid of that falsehood. I think I need to name the podcast from this show that, and I, I don't know if I can, but I'm going to try. I don't know if I can name the podcast that as the name, but I think that because it is the most important point here. And it's Estrogen such does a not cause breast cancer. So Amazing. even if we just think about it from a logical standpoint, yep. breast cancer is exponentially more common in the postmenopausal population mm. when estrogen levels have plummeted. Mm. 
if estrogen caused breast cancer, mm-hmm. why wouldn't we see it more commonly in the premenopausal population, mm-hmm. in the teenagers, yeah. in women who are pregnant? So we true. see it in that population as a rarity. It's true. So estrogen does not cause breast cancer. Iodine also does not cause breast cancer, despite the fact that there are iodine receptors on the breast. But let's talk about what's happening and the connection. Xenoestrogens are chemical compounds, synthetic compounds that look like estrogen, but not exactly. So when you think about the estrogen receptor and the estrogen molecule as like a lock and key mechanism, if you have a key that will fit in, but because it's a little off, it can't come out, that's what xenoestrogens are. And we are surrounded by xenoestrogens. We are. Plastics, antibiotics, fragrance, all of these things fall into this xenoestrogen. It's the same thing if you have an iodine molecule that is synthetic, that is not exactly like it. You're going to have the same thing happen, the same signaling happen. Mm -hmm. And so what we need to do is get back to nature, is to get away from all of these chemicals. What about EMFs while we're at it? EMFs is another thing. EMFs are so damaging to the immune system, to our self-signaling. They do horrible damage. I mean, unfortunately, I use my son as an example because when he is on his phone, he is like a zombie. He can't hear me. He can't see me. It's like he doesn't exist. He is so locked in. The EMFs are literally killing us. They are. So I really hope that people hear that and start to make some changes in their life. Don't sleep with any electronics in your bedroom. You don't need them. You don't need them. There is no one out there that is important enough to sleep with their phone in their bedroom. I'm sorry. No, it's such a good point. Yeah, we have been so convinced that we are so important and we have to be available twenty four seven, and we are killing ourselves as a result. For sure. And while we're on that topic, let's just talk about sleep for a second because sleep is where the healing happens. And if you are not sleeping, you are not healing. Mm. And people who are chronic short sleepers, they're sleeping less than six hours a night, they are at risk for every Mm. chronic disease there is, and I can list them off, but at the end of that list is cancer. thousand percent. And so just by not sleeping enough, you can wind up with a cancer diagnosis. And this we is like... We have to prioritize sleep. We have to. We absolutely have to. So what do you say to the person that's out there? Because I know like me in you know menopause and all of that, sleeping's mm-hmm. hard. Like all of a sudden you're up three, four times a night and you're just not resting yeah. well. Like what do you yeah. say to people? Is there a hormonal solution for sleeping better? Because I get the sense sure. that there is. For sure there is. And that is something that we must talk about before we conclude today. We do have one more break that we have to take and then it's our last yeah. break. So can we just jump over? Let's take the break and then we'll have the rest of the show. Uh, we'll have another Absolutely. 10 plus minutes. Okay, great. So yeah. um, hang tight there. We are going to go to break and we will be right back. Sponsored by EA is CrossFit. More information at 415-314-1399 or at eacrossfit.com. We are back, everybody. Thank you so much for joining us today. We are joined by Dr. Jen Simmons. 
She is an oncologist, breast health expert, and so much more, and really just laying it out for us today about how we, really just telling us a lot of truth bombs. I mean, we're dropping a lot of truth bombs here when it comes to your health and super important. So I'm just going to, we're going to launch right back into where we left off before the break. If you want to just kind of launch back. Yeah, absolutely. So it's so very important that the first thing we do is prioritize sleep right? Make it important. We as a society value waking hours and we need to put equal value on sleep, on resetting, on restoring, on resting, on all of that, because that is how we heal. And if we do not get through what needs to be healed or processed that day, it just gets stored, stored Mm -hmm. as negative energy, stored as fat, stored as inflammation. And that's the last thing we want. So prioritize sleep. We are creatures of habit. Go to sleep at the same time. Wake up at yeah. the same time. Yep. Stop eating for two to three hours before bed. If your totally. body is digesting, it can't be sleeping. We want the processes that need to happen while we sleep mm-hmm. to be able to happen. So if you have a full stomach, that's not going to happen. Right. Try so not good. to drink close to bed so that you don't have to get up and go to the bathroom three so or four good. times because that alone can be disruptive. We need to cool when we sleep. So mm. if it's cool out, open the windows, yeah. recirculate that air yeah. and get some cool air in there. If it's hot out and you need the air conditioning, mm-hmm. get the air conditioning, get a fan, make sure that you're cooling yourself to sleep. Yes. Have a welcoming sleep environment. If your bedroom is cluttered and a mess, so too will be your sleep. Yep. So make sure that your bedroom is welcome, inviting, and neat, clean, not cluttered. Have a comfortable mattress, have comfortable sheets, have a comfortable pillow. Like these are important things to invest in. So good. And then if you have issues with pollutants in your house, get an air purifier mm-hmm. in your bedroom. Yes. Because you are there for many hours a night. You want that experience to be as good as it can be. I was going to just say yeah, that the air purifier also provides a bit of white noise, which helps people get into the, you know, better like waves for sleep. The white noise can be very good for that. And some of the air purifiers actually have the pink noise, white noise set into it, which can be really good for sleeping. And do you, Absolutely. Do you have one that yeah. you recommend? Yeah. I, so I use the Air Doctor Pro. Yep. I think it's a great unit. It, it does a great job. Yep. And so that is what works for me. I have one in my bedroom. I have one in my office because that's where I spend all of my time. Mm-hmm. And I want to make sure that I am doing the very best that I can for my health. Yeah. Now, in the postmenopausal population, as progesterone drops off, and people notice progesterone drop off first before they notice estrogen drop off. So if estrogen is your on button, progesterone is your off button. It's what allows us to sleep, to be calm, to relax, to quiet. So if you are struggling there, I am a full believer in hormone replacement. Menopause is mandatory, but suffering is not. I could not agree more. And I'm glad you- Suffering is optional. Love it. So then are you saying that obviously people should consult their physicians and all of that, but as a general sort of approach that progesterone then is safe for women to take pre and post menopause and beyond to help relax sleep, dial down all those things? 
As far as I know, I have the most experience in the area of breast cancer of any of the specialists in the country at the moment. And I have absolutely no problem or reservation recommending hormone replacement to women who have a family history of breast cancer, a personal history of breast cancer, because as we started talking about, estrogen does not cause breast cancer. Progesterone does not cause breast cancer. And of the 30 studies that have been done on women who have breast cancer and have gone on hormone replacement, Mm -hmm. none of them have shown an increased risk of death from hormone replacement. There have been a couple that have shown an increase in local recurrence. Sure. So that means recurrence in the breast. However, the study that found that, the habit study, Mm -hmm. those women were also taking tamoxifen. And to me, I wouldn't put someone on tamoxifen and hormone replacement. And for anyone who is on tamoxifen and you think that estrogen causes breast cancer, Mm -hmm. you should know that tamoxifen is a synthetic estrogen. Wow. Which is something that your medical oncologist doesn't talk to you about. Exactly. In the same breath that they tell you that estrogen causes breast cancer. Right. Um, Oh my goodness. Yeah. Everyone should discuss this with their own doctor. Everyone's case is unique and different. Everyone's needs are unique and different. But in general, the benefits of hormone replacement in the postmenopausal population, and I don't care if you're postmenopausal because you got to that stage in life naturally, or you're postmenopausal because you had chemotherapy, the benefits of hormone replacement far outweigh the risk. Amazing. I'm so glad to have you clarify that because there's just so much noise out there when it comes to this subject. So this is just truly amazing. And again, having that clarity and just direction forward for so many people is incredible. Now, there is someone asking, so do you have a program or do you have something on your website so that people can continue to learn from you? Because obviously you're dropping a lot of major truth bombs here. Where can people go to continue to learn from you? Yeah. So please go to my website called Real Health MD and I have a course called My Answer to Breast Cancer. It is an online course and then we have a live component where we meet every other week and you have access to me and can Mm. get answers to all of your questions that you're asking. And also the benefit of a tremendous group of heart-centered women who are asking the same questions you are, but have been with me for a few years and can most of the time answer the questions for me. Amazing Um, community. Yeah. And we have a great community on Facebook as well. Mm. And then my podcast, called Keeping Abreast is starting in May. Amazing. So they'll have access to me there as well. Uh, incredible. I'm so glad to hear that because again, I'm sure there's just so much more to deep dive and we're just really scratching the surface, but so many people, this is going to resonate. It's going to hit home. They're going to have questions. And another question or statement actually came in as somebody said that she actually had her breasts removed because she was told she was a candidate because her mother died of breast cancer and she has that gene. And she's not really asking a question, but I would say this is the route that she has chosen. But for those out there who do have, we've talked about not necessarily being genetic, but 
there are people out there that are being told by their doctors that they should just go ahead and remove their breasts. Thoughts on that? So obviously that is one option. Right. And I really try to make it individual. Yeah. Because, you know, I used to tell people when I was practicing surgery that Mm. if I work with you on your health and we follow you closely and all that, there will come a day where breast cancer won't define you. But if I do a mastectomy, there will never come another day for the rest of your life where breast cancer won't define you. Really good point. And so I really do, I don't want to say discourage, but I really do want people to think long and hard about doing a mastectomy because it's so permanent and because it has very long-term implications for that person. Absolutely. And especially knowing what I know now, the environment is really what controls your genes. Absolutely. And so if you can create that optimal environment Mm -hmm. and you're not going to be able to avoid every toxin. I mean, that that is ridiculous, but you don't have to be perfect. You yeah. really just have to be good enough. I have a program that's really all about 80-20 living, and it's about 80% health giving, health supportive, health building behaviors and lifestyle. And then yeah. there's that other 20% that's life, right? It's the birthday party yeah. that you can't avoid or whatever. And it's like, if we could truly dial in 80% health promoting behaviors and choices, it would profoundly impact people's end result. Because right now, most people are living probably more on a 2080 and don't realize it. As a nutritionist, I've had people bring me their diet logs and so forth. And then because I was a teacher in my past life, I score it, right? And I came up with this sort of methodology that just shows as we go through a five-day or a three-day diet log and go through what they're eating and kind of score, I always have a conversation with them beforehand and ask what they think their percentage is on an 80-20. And they'll usually say, I think I'm about 50-50 with how I eat and and you know how I approach lifestyle and all that. A lot of people will say 50-50 or 60-40. And by the time we go through their diet log and explain why certain things are the way they are, like Dan and yogurt is not good for you and those types yeah. of things, they're usually landing at around a 20-80. But the mm-hmm. good news is there's a lot of change that can happen to get them up to that 80% or get them towards the 80%. But and we show them this massive gap, right? Just what if you started doing some of these things, right? The meditation and the, all these things that could help yeah. move the needle towards that 80%. Yeah. And then they realize that very quickly they can personally have a massive impact on their outcome and their lives and where they're at. And it just That's shows exactly them right. that there's so much that they can actually control. And it's very yeah. empowering. It, the program's very, very empowering. And I just think that it, it could be applied really well to an audience where people are managing chronic illness and trying to understand their role in it. You couldn't be more right. And the truth is that 80% of breast cancers are preventable. 80%. Wow. And 80% of chronic disease is preventable. But the thing is that as a society, most of us don't change until we have to. That's really what's happening is that we don't change until the fear of staying the same is worse than the fear of change. 
And that is exactly it. Like people land in the doctor's office, they land in the doctor's office and then it's done. It's okay. Now my life has changed forever. Dr. Simmons, we're wrapping up to the end of the hour. So I just want to kind of end with your fast three tips. What are the three steps or three tips that someone would take when they are diagnosed? The first thing I tell everyone to do is read a book called Radical Hope. Okay. Uh, It's by Kelly Turner. It's brilliant. Great. Change the way you eat. Go to a whole food plant-based diet and prioritize sleep and filter your water. That's like where everyone should start. That is golden right there. Dr. Simmons, thank you again for joining me today. We're going to have this podcast up here shortly and I'll share it back with you so we can socialize it around amazing pearls of wisdom and so grateful for the time you've given us today. My pleasure. It's great to be here. Thank you again. And um, we'll definitely reach out to you soon. Thank you. 